uh, beginning our study on Exodus, and uh, I want to encourage you to begin reading like I did last week through uh, the book of Exodus. What an incredible narrative that sets up really the history of how God works. And there's so many things things uh, that are repeated over biblical history over and over again. And it is that God made us, God loves us, uh, and uh, he's asked us to, uh, to live a certain way. And when we don't uh, do that, we disobey. And then he has to bring us back. And then he redeems us over and over again. So as you look uh, at Exodus with me, I'm going to give you a little brief overview this, uh, this morning. Um, and I didn't, uh, one of the things that if you, if you know anything about studying a book, that you will go to uh, these different commentaries. And uh, I have never, never uh, tried to accomplish a full study on Exodus. And so I didn't want to go to the commentaries because I wanted to see what, what God just makes readily available to us as we read the scripture. And so what I'm going to show you is what I believe that is a practical way to look at Exodus. And then I went back and looked at the, uh, uh, at the different commentaries and how they, how they looked at Exodus and how they broke it down through cha- chapters just to see what they did. And it's really all semantics and it's a way of, of looking at it differently. But I'm gonna go with this, what I saw that is so practical and it's really easy to understand. If we never owned one commentary, we were handed the book of Exodus, it's all we ever knew. It is right there in front of us to learn more and more about who God is. So let's just start this thing out. That First of all, we know that uh, there are, are other views of authorship, but Scripture gives us the insight of who wrote this book, and, and that would be Moses. And I'm going to go through some of these Scriptures. Um, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14, it says, then the Lord said, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book. So we see that he said, I want you to write it in a memorial book and recite it to the ears of Joshua that I, may, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So it was a story that he was, he was uh, saying, listen, I want you to write that down. The next thing is in Exodus 24, it says, uh, then Moses, and Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. And we know that just by practical uh, um, understanding and reading Exodus, uh, we know who wrote the book. And then Exodus uh, 34, 27. Now, there are other views that people have of who they think wrote the book um, of Exodus, but I, I truly believe this tells us. It says, and the Lord said to Mo- Moses, again, write these words, um, write these words in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was telling him, listen, I want you to, I want you to write these words and I want you to tell the people of Israel uh, all that I'm going, uh, that I have planned for them. And so that's what's going on. He's, it, we know that he is writing this book co- that we call Exodus. Now the word Exodus basically means to exit or to depart. And if you go, well, what's the bottom line with Exodus? You have to understand, you have to read Genesis, all right? And then Exodus is really just a continuing, a continuation of Genesis. It's where the story left off. And we can even go back to Genesis chapter 12 and see this. We see that uh, where he says, and I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and um, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so that's what God said he would do uh, with Abraham, with Israel. But what happened is uh, he planned that out and then we see that come to fruition. Uh, and we know that uh, 
uh, as we read through Exodus, and I'm going to show you where, so that maybe this week you can read a little bit of Genesis, and then you'll go, okay, now I understand what ha- what's happening in Exodus. We know that as we read Genesis, and this is basic, but it gives you an understanding of it, that uh, Joseph is sold as a slave by his brothers. And then uh, Joseph interprets many dreams, and you have to read the story of Joseph. It's an incredible story of integrity. It's an incredible story of, of the Lord being with somebody and having a plan for somebody that is going to bring glory to who he is. And he has that same plan for us. And then we find out that because he was so trusted and because he interpreted dreams, even Pharaoh said something to the effect that, that this is somebody that has a, has a divine spirit in him to make him uh, to be able to interpret a dream. And then we know that because of that, Pharaoh makes Joseph, uh, Joseph second in charge. So if you go th- through Genesis chapter 45, verse 16, it says, the, uh, the, the news soon reached Pharaoh's palace, and Joseph's brothers, uh, Joseph's brothers have arrived. And Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Now, this is in the New Living Translation. Doesn't lose any, doesn't lose anything. It says, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers that this is, uh, this is what you must do. Load your pack animals, Okay, and hurry back to the land of Canaan. And then he told him, he said, then get, then get your fathers and, and all of your families and return here to me. So he said, I want you to come live in Egypt. He said, I'll give you the very best land in Egypt and you will eat from the best of the land that the land produces. And it said this, in Exodus 1.1 is a continuation. It says that these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. And so that, that we see, where we read all that, it is actually in, if you were to go back and say, well, before I start in Exodus, you could read chapter 37 of Genesis all the, all the way through 50. And that would give you an overview and help you understand a little bit more what was going on. So we know this, okay? And it's real important that you, you, you hear this. So you'll understand that a lot of years have passed between Genesis and Exodus. But we do know that when he took all his people into Egypt, that he, uh, they were invited into Egypt. We know that 70 uh, family members went uh, into Egypt. 70. That was it. 70 family members. And now we know that centuries have passed. Now here's where theologians differ. The, and it, you'll, you'll see where uh, uh, somebody will say that it was between uh, two, 250 years and some people would say it 300 years and some people would say, well, it was 400 years. You know, really? Uh, for me, it's irrelevant. All I know is it's somewhere between 250 and 400 years. And so what's happened is this family of 70 has grown and grown and grown and grown. And then all of a sudden, there is a, a new pharaoh in town after, after three to 400 years have passed or centuries. It says this, but the people of Exodus 1-7, it says, but the people of Israel were fruitful and they increased and they increased greatly. They multiplied and they grew exceedingly strong. Why? So that the land was filled with them. So as you began to read and study Exodus with us over the summer, the first thing I want you to do is look at Genesis 37 through 50. Be a good theologian. Let it set up. Let you see that, that, that from Genesis to Exodus, where it was anywhere from 250 to 400 years, 
And watch this, that it all started with 70 people that God led. Watch this, that God, uh, they exited out of, uh, out, of, out of the land and went into Egypt and they began to make their way and God began to make his plan for their lives. So if I were breaking uh, Exodus down for you, and for me, just in a basic, and again, this is before I opened any books and read any history, because this is what I saw. And after reading what, what happened, I, I want to give you my application that is not unbiblical. It's, it stays in line with majority of theologians, but maybe the wording is just a little, little different. So what I want you to learn is this. As you read through this, in chapter one, we learn this. We're going to learn that God is our promise keeper. If you were just, and the reason I, most people say, well, from one to this, or one to five, or one to eight, or one to nine, but I think chapter one just stands on its own, and it is very clear that God is a promise keeper, and when you read chapter one, every, every time you see and you go, I see what Pat's saying, that right here, God is a promise keeper of what we read in Genesis, how God made a promise and he made it, he made it uh, to his people and said, you will be numerous. You'll be as many as the stars. You'll be like the sand of the sea. I'm going to make this happen uh, with your family. Take the 70 people and we're about to explode over three to 400 years and it's going to make a difference for what God wants his people to do and even for us. So I want you to know as you read chapter one, I want you to keep that in your mind that God is a promise keeper and he is. If you'll go back in the history that you have with God, I'll tell you what, I've never heard anybody tell me God doesn't keep his promises. You know, uh, I've never heard anybody say God was not true. God was not faithful. The ones that do have got have taken their eyes off of the Lord and they can't answer questions themselves and so they don't feel comfortable having a faith in God. But I'm here to tell you, chapter one pretty much sets it up. God's our promise keeper. The second thing I want you to know is that God is our champion. Uh, uh, every time you see God being a champion between verses, uh, chapters 2 and 10, I want you to take that word and in the sideline of your Bible just kind of write the word champion. And you'll be surprised how many times, how many times, if you just read chapters 2 through 10, you will see God championing his people. So every time you study, just out on the side, wow, I see him being a champion here. I see him being a champion here. I see him being champion here. And now you'll find that as I grow this, you can also probably see promise keepers within that, that he's a promise keeper as well. Write those if you want, but I do know that chapter one is all about the promise keeper. Chapter two, verses all the way through chapter 10, just pay attention to how he championed his people. And he's our champion. And you need to allow him to champion your life. You need to allow him to be the champion, whatever comes your way. And you can list anything. You can list a disease. You can list a voice. You can list a, a, a family issue. You can list relationship struggles. But I do know this, God will be your champion because he's made a promise to you. And as you read through Exodus, you will see God revealing himself to be or continue to be the champion. The next thing I want you to see is in chapters, um, uh, what is it, chapters 11 through 13, where God is our deliverer. And that's a big one. Uh, again, we see him delivering people in the first 10 chapters, but really pay attention between chapter 11 and 13. You will see over and over that God delivered his people. 
And again, if you go back to your history, you'll find that he's a promise keeper to you, right? And that he's your champion. He's championing you through a lot of things, or he's championing you through something right now by giving you people in your life, but also he will deliver you. Some of you have gone through things, and here's the thing. What Exodus teaches us is that God will deliver us. Some of you are going through a process where God's championing you, and he's in the process of delivering you. But I want you to see this, that some of you have already gone through these thing, things. You've seen where he was your champion. You've seen where he was your promise keeper. And you, you have seen the completion that he has delivered you through whatever it is. So every time you see as you begin, remember this is just an intro. Every time you, you go through and you find yourselves in chapters 11 through 13, I want you to write down on the side of your Bible every time you see him delivering them. And then go back and think about the times that God's delivered you. All right? And this is who God is. The next thing I want you to see is that when I read chapters, when you read chapters 14 through 18, you will see uh, this understanding that God is our protector and provider. Just, it's going to be an incredible narrative during this part to see. Uh, you'll probably scar up your Bible on the left-hand side, the right-hand side, middle. The number of times you will write protector, provider, protector, provider, protector, provider. Because he was constantly in these chapters, it was this overwhelming protection, this overwhelming provider. It, this is where he said they're hungry and he provided manna. This is where they said we're tired of manna and he provided uh, uh, meat. And then, hey, we need water, he provided water. And you'll also see times of protection. So I want you, as you read chapters 14 through 18, what I saw was that he's our protector and he, he's our provider. And I'll tell you what, for me, when I came to know Christ at 14 years old, I can assure you, God has been all these things to me. And when you read Exodus, I know, I know the minute I came to Christ, man, he became the promise keeper. He became the champion. He became uh, the protector. He became the provider. He became the deliverer for this fatherless child. And if you go back in your history with God, you will again see how incredible God has been to you, how incredible God has been to our church, how incredible God has been through your family. So write in those columns, protector, provider, protector, for provider. I want to encourage you to do that. And then the next thing I want you to know is that between chapters uh, 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 19 and 24, we find that uh, this is where God begins to give his law. This is where, where I like to say that God begins to really focus on how he wants his people to live, and he becomes our moral compass. Now we have a moral compass. All of a sudden he says, and listen, the tip top of this moral compass is you should have no other God before me. That is the bottom line. That is what builds everything up. And you shall have no other God before me. And then we learn the basic things that we even uh, built America on is uh, don't kill people. Quit stealing. I mean, we go through this moral compass. Now we say, well, how are we supposed to live? So for you and I, as we read through Exodus, what I want to encourage you to see is between Exodus 19 and 24, what I saw was God was setting up this moral compass for us. And boy, that continued on into where we are today. And we even, even when Jesus came uh, and was on this earth, those short years of his life, he actually deepened the moral compass. Uh, where one says you should not, uh, you should not uh, ha have sex basically out of the context of marriage. But then Jesus said, I'm going to make that moral compass deeper. 
And I'm going to take you into this understanding that if you even think of another woman, you've sinned in your heart. A lot of people think, well, the Ten Commandments are hard. Honestly, when Jesus came, it became even more difficult because what happened is, watch this, we had to change our mind. We're not just living by, I can't do that, I can do this. It was, we have to, we have to change our mind. And it talks about in Scripture where we have to renew our mind all the time. We have to listen to our self-talk and say, why am I thinking these things? Why, why am I putting myself in the situation that I am? It's because the moral compass goes deeper than don't do this, don't do this. Watch this, the law, and it goes deeper. And it's a relationship that we have with Christ that he's our moral compass. And then the spirit, the gifts of the spirit come out. And then also uh, uh, the fruits of the spirit come out. And then uh, the ingredients of love come out. And now we've got to be patient. That's our moral compass. Uh, we, we've got to be kind. That's our moral compass. It's deeper than just don't do this and don't do that. And so I want to encourage you, 9, 2 through 24, that when God gave us the commandments and, and the law, this is when he became our moral compass. And this is, this is when he gave Israel something to sift. Now listen, something to sift all our decisions through. And then he talks to Paul and he talks to, to Peter and he talks to John through the work of the Holy Spirit. And now we have even more to sift our decisions about how we're going to treat people, how we're going to act, how we're going to be people of character, how our integrity should be. And that is all helpful as we read Exodus. And then the last thing that I, I want you to see is that in chapters 25 through 40, uh, we see that this is where God, God says, listen, I want to be your total source of worship. He had already established that before with Abram. He said, basically, hey, you got to choose. But what happened, he said, now no other God but me. And I'm the source of your life. I'm the source of your worship. And God's desire desires their worship. Even the first commandment, again, deals with God's desire to be worshiped. And so I want to encourage you. Now, remember, this is an intro. We know, I truly believe that, that uh, uh, Exodus that was written by Moses. Do, am I convinced that Genesis was written by Moses? No, I'm not. But I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I am convinced that Exodus, based on what was said. But uh, it really doesn't matter who wrote it. We have that history in Genesis that got us to Exodus. He wrote Exodus. It was all about the departure. It was all about this Exodus, uh, uh, this departure that was being taken, that the people who were slaves were being taken out of that slavery by this man uh, called Moses, really by the Lord and God used this, this man called Moses. So here's what I want to close with before I talk about what we're going to do next week and how we're going to come back to the service. This is what I want you to snap a picture of it. Uh, do something that will help you to see or to be thinking every time I read Exodus. In fact, what I did with my Bible is at the beginning of Exodus, I wrote it at the top. So it would constantly remind me of this. It's everything I've said put into a thought. And it says this, that Exodus, Exodus reminds me that God is my promise keeper, champion, and deliverer. He will protect and provide and continue to be my moral compass through life. And he is worthy of my worship. So I would write it in, your book, in the Bible somewhere. Just maybe if, if, you can, if you think your heart can follow along with it, which I think it's all biblical, that as you read Exodus, it may be written from 
many years ago, but this is how God's revealing himself. Man, that Exodus reminds me, every time I read it, maybe right before you read it, uh, read this, whatever I'm about to read, Exodus, here to rem- Exodus is here to remind me that God is my promise keeper. He's my champion and deliverer. He will protect and provide and continue to be my moral compass through life. And he is worthy of my worship. So I want to encourage you to read through that and to start reading through Exodus. And I'm so excited. Uh, 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 we are going to look at Exodus 1 next week. And there is a lot of meat in there. I have taken so many notes for next week. And, and it's very clear uh, who God is to us. But thank you for joining me. Start, start reading uh, uh, Exodus. But remember, I would really encourage you to go back and read Genesis 37 through 50 and know that it's a 250 to 400 period between these two books and that only 70 people walked into Egypt. And over those years, God grew his people. And he grows his people. He grows churches and he grows his kingdom so that people will give him glory and bring other people to him. God is about growth. He's about your personal growth and he's also about the growth of his kingdom and the growth of people coming to know him and worship him in spirit and in truth. So read through Exodus. We're going to go through summer. You're going to go, oh, you won't be bored. There's, a, there's just some incredible stories there uh, that give life and hope and reveal more and more about who God is and his character. Well, let me tell you what our plan is. Uh, and the elders met this week. We had met uh, almost three weeks ago and said, let's wait till the, the next uh, um, um, uh, announcement from our governor. And uh, uh, so really churches have been kind of left at the same level, you know, and nobody's really going to, I think, get on to any church going back. Uh, um, I, I'm so happy that uh, many churches have. We wanted to wait just a little bit because of the size of our building. But the elders met this uh, uh, Tuesday and Tuesday evening, and we, we have put together a plan for us to come back next Sunday, which is the 31st of May. Next Sunday, we will all come together only for those who are comfortable. So everything I'm about to tell you, I want you to know, a lot of it falls on what you're comfortable with. And uh, some of you say, I'm wearing a mask everywhere. That's fine. But we're not going to require masks for those who don't want to. So we want to encourage you that if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, uh, uh, we don't feel it's our place to tell somebody to wear a mask and not to wear a mask. And so we want to encourage you, whatever feels comfortable. Now, for those of you who, who are already in the midst of thinking, I'm not going back, we are still doing live stream. So if you don't feel comfortable, then stay home, continue to worship from home, continue to uh, check out the live stream. We have got everything up and running, and uh, we will continue to live stream. So if those of you aren't, aren't feel comfortable, then that's okay. I, I would think some of your elderly may, may not feel comfortable. I would think those who have younger kids would not feel comfortable. So I want you to know, you go at your own pace. Here's what's going to happen. We are going to open up, and we're going to do two services next week just like normal, uh, uh, 9.40 and 11. We're going to try to put uh, the services about 45 minutes long so we have a little bit more time in between services uh, where we can let people come and go and not have to pass so many. Uh, Now, some of you may go, I want to see people. Well, 
uh, once you enter, once you leave the building, you can visit as many people as you want and practice your social distancing out there. But in the building, we want to clear out after the first service as quickly as possible. You can visit outside. So we want you to know we will do two services. This room will be set up with chairs that are in, in uh, really three chairs. We're going to put three chairs together and that's it. And we're going to separate them. But if all of a sudden you come in and you have a family of five, we're going to take two of those chairs and Adam and have you sit together and practice that six feet distance, if at all possible, uh, so that you can sit together. You say, well, I'm going to come with all my family. We're bringing seven. Then we'll take two sets and an extra chair. But we're going to try to fill this room up, but to the point that it's very safe for you. We want you to know that we have an overflow room. We will sing. That was a big thing for us as elders because there's this thing of singing and your, your voice is projecting and, and some people don't feel comfortable with that. But then we decided that, uh, or as staff we talked about it, we decided that, uh, you know, we're going to worship here uh, and we're going to worship live. And um, if you're at home, you'll see that worship just like normal. But if you don't feel comfortable being in a room uh, where people are singing, uh, are, uh, and it's not that you're comfortable with them, not, with them worshiping. I know you're comfortable with the air going out of their mouth and it's spreading. If that's something that really bothers you, we want to we wanna honor that and respect that. And we want you to know we are going to have two rooms that are going to be overflow rooms. And these overflow rooms, one of them is going to be uh, specifically for those who say, you know, I want to be a part of the service. I want to see everybody in between. But during the singing part, I'm, I'm probably going to be in a room where we're going to ask you, those people who are in that room, nobody's going to sing so that you can still be a part of the worship, but feel comfortable uh, with your mask on or with your mask off and in a room where other people aren't singing, but you're enjoying the singing through your heart and through your mind. And for some of us, uh, one of the things that we talked about uh, in the elder and even as staff that uh, I just want to remind you, we must be very, very uh, aware and and. Um, be respectful to those who are still uncomfortable. And so what we're going to ask you to do is, you know, to distance yourself between people and uh, give the fist bump if you want. If you don't feel comfortable, just put your hands out like that. But we're going to honor that. We're not going to look at that and say that's silly. Uh, I've met some people that go, oh, that's dumb. I don't think it's not. This is not the place where you share your thoughts on what you think it is and how crazy it is or how crazy it's not. This is our place just to come together and worship the Lord uh, in spirit and truth and see the body and be together. And so we'll honor each other. But let me tell you what's going to happen. If you were pulling into the front of the church and uh, you were going down that long pathway, if you make a left and park over on the, this side of the worship center, closest to the worship center, we are going to ask you to enter through the back door of the covered parking. So if you park here, you'll not enter through the front door. You'll not enter through this front door. You will walk around back and you will enter through the back door underneath the awning. And we are going to have two entrances to this building. And so we'll let you uh, come in that back area. We'll hopefully have somebody there. I'm, I'm sorry, we'll have somebody there that will open the door for you. And uh, so you won't have to touch the door. And you'll see little marks on the floor if we're kind of getting in to get six feet apart. Um, uh, to get six feet apart. Hey, I can't see that. Just hand it to me. That's fine. To get six feet apart. It's too small. I'm blind. Yeah, bring it up. They're trying to give me a message. I can't see it. 
Yeah, I, I got it. Tell Wacey, I'm on it. Uh, so I got my list right here. So uh, thank you, Wacey. Uh, uh, just want you to know you'll enter through back, and or if you park on that side where the children and the, uh, the preschool are close door, we're going to open that back gate uh, that enters to the back side of the children's area. Because we have a narrow hallway, we want you to, uh, because we have a narrow hallway, we want to make the hallway longer. And so as you come in, uh, it'll allow us to social distance more. And then there will be somebody at the door to the entrance area that will ask you how many people are with you. And we'll have somebody in here and we will tell you where to go and put those chairs together based on if it's two, one, three, or five, or six. So that's how we're going to enter the building, through the back. And we're going to enter, uh, exit the building, enter the building through that gated area and through the children's hallway. We're not going to come in through the front door or this door or this side door. And so I really uh, want to encourage you, if you park on this side, walk around back. We won't open these doors. The only reason that we will open these doors is to help somebody through where it's a closer walk for them, somebody uh, that needs a little extra help. That's the only thing. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to control those exits and entrances. And then we also want to control the air in this uh, room because now it's getting hot and we don't want you to be uncomfortable in this building. So... That takes care of the exits. That takes care of the entrance. Uh, it takes care of whether or not you're going to wear a mask uh, and, and uh, the singing part of it, what you're comfortable with. But uh, the last thing I want to go over is that there will be no child care. There will be uh, no children's activities. So if you come in here, uh, just know that and you want to bring your family, they will have to stay with you. And for some people, it's going to be, I can't control I can't control my little toddler running around. And that's what we tell you, you'd have to, because some people are uncomfortable. They want to be here, but they'd have to stay with you. And if that's uncomfortable with you, there's a lot of options for you that you could every other week, one parent take care of the kid and you come and vice versa. Or if you feel like your children, you can keep them in that place, then we want you to do that. Remember, we want to honor everybody. So this is just uh, two worship services, 940, 11, no child care, no preschool. Uh, one of the things is we want to keep our areas in the preschool and children clean so that as we come back, uh, we will be ready and everything will be, uh, uh, be spotless before they come in. And uh, we also, before we can come back with children in preschool, we have to make sure that all the volunteers are comfortable taking care of children. So I uh, really want to encourage you to uh, understand those things. So let me go over just very quickly again. We're, we're gonna start out uh, next Sunday. We'll be here at 9.40 uh, and 11. We'll do about 45 minute services and uh, give us a little bit time to exit and uh, to enter. If you wanna visit with people, we're gonna ask you to exit very quickly so that those people are coming to the uh, 9.40 service, our hallway's not large enough. Uh, we want you to have two exits and two entrances. So when we, when we all come in together, you'll exit from the back or you'll exit from that side through the children's area in that gated area or in, enter through that area. When we exit, we will do the same thing. We will uh, exit you in rows so that it doesn't get crowded. And if you want to visit, you can go and go on outside and visit. And, uh, and we want, to, want you to exit back through the door that you came through. And we'll be there to, uh, uh, we'll also be there to uh, open doors for you. Now, for those who are coming to 11 o'clock service, you're going, okay, what are you going to do in between services? All right. I want you to know that in between services, we're all going to do what we can to wipe things down, uh, to spray things down. 
But also we're asking you as our members, if you go into the bathroom, you'll notice a sign that says two only. We're going to ask you to honor that. You stick your head in there. There's two people in there. Wait till the next person gets out uh, and then go in. We're going to have Clorox bottles uh, with wipes that anything that you touch, you just wipe it, wash your hands and wipe it back down. The same thing is true with the bathrooms. Uh, We're going to have all of them open on this side and this side. So we're asking you to clean up after yourselves. But then we will go through and clean again for the 11 o'clock service um, uh, like normal. So uh, and uh, again, just to repeat, uh, no child care, no preschool. Yes, Micah, do you have a question? Oh, thank you. Okay, I know. All my elders are texting me. It's because they don't trust me. No, I'm just kidding. They just want to make sure everything's covered. Um, uh, And then when you come, we're not going to have coffee. Uh, uh, And down the road, we we may have coffee. And even if we do, we won't make it. We'll have it made. If you want coffee, okay, bring your mug, what do you call it, thermos or whatever you're going to do, and fill it with your own coffee. You sit here, drink all you want but we will not have coffee here. So ready, if you're hearing, oh, I can bring my mug, I'll fill it up. No, you have to fill your mug up at home and then bring it up, bring it up here. So if you come in uh, and you want coffee, there won't be coffee here, maybe down the road, fill your own coffee cup up, your own coffee mug up, your thermos up and bring it with you. You can have coffee. Um, I know that some of you may, can I bring my donut? Remember, <laughs> that's totally up to you, all right? Uh, but let's just honor e- each other. Are there anything else that off my list that I haven't seen that they're reminding me? If there is, text them now. <laughs> Elders, if I'm forgetting something, but I think I, le- I did it all on the list. Um, but the whole thing is we're going to be as safe as we can, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, so that's our plan. We're going to meet next week, and we'll be making an announcement uh, probably during the week uh, just to continue reminding you of the, the process. Uh, the thing is, we just, don't, we just don't know how many is going to show up. That's why we're making the two overflow rooms. One overflow room will be you can sing all you want. One overflow room will be uh, just you can be a part of this service. And again, we'll continue to live stream. Are y'all getting any more text or information? They're all laughing at me because they think the elders are going to be mad or something. I don't know. But Okay, Wacey, you're welcome for using your name. And who else was it? I'll tell them all. (laughs) Jesse. Jesse's over here. What? (laughs) My whole staff just gives me a hard time. No, we had all these lists. But, Wacey, you're welcome. Um, And uh, I'm sure Davis and Eric and... Uh, help me list my elders. All of them are making sure. And all it is, is we're just all trying to be safe. And we love you. We want you back here. I am so ready um, to see you. I'm so ready for this room to be full. And uh, just continue to be safe. Uh, continue to be mindful of other people. And uh, remember, uh, just like we don't talk about our political views in this place, we're not going to talk about all this COVID stuff. We're just going to come in here, see one another, and worship the Lord in spirit and truth, and read through the book of Exodus, and, uh, you know, enjoy our time together. So, uh, that's our plan. Am I forgetting anything else, gentlemen? Well, I didn't forget anything, right? So, all right, here we go. All right, uh, I'm going to pray for us. Um, So, let's all stand together. 
I'm just, I'm just kidding. I just haven't been able to say that in a long time because nobody's in the room. <laughs> but you know, James is behind there and James, thank you. He, he was just about to stand up with me behind that camera. So uh, that's awesome. I'm gonna pray for you. Uh, thanks again. And really uh, uh, elders, thank you uh, for sending that just to make sure we're all good. Uh, your elders love you and they work hard. And uh, again, we care about you. So um, Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. And, and, and I hope you have a great afternoon with family and friends. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, providing for us. We thank you so much that you're our champion through even this COVID thing, that you're our deliverer. We thank you, Father, as we read Exodus, we're, we're gonna be reminded of our God who's this great, great promise keeper. And Father, we, uh, we, wanna, we want you to know that we wanna live the way you want us to live. We want to continue to renew our minds that you will remain our moral compass to have great integrity, to be people who are, as, as Moses said, who are distinctive among the whole people of the world. And Father, we, we are here to worship you. And we pray that you're honored uh, by our love for you and we're honored by the way we treat others and you're honored by the way that we are not ashamed of your gospel. So help us to read through Exodus, reveal your character, reveal your love, reveal all these things to us, and may we grow uh, to love you and serve you and worship you with pure hearts. We pray this and we believe this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys have a great week.